0: Uh, if you've not been with us the past uh, month or so, I want to just take a minute and just kind of recap so that um, you're not coming in here going, man, what are you talking about? And so I want to just kind of catch us up so we're all on the same page. And so uh, about a month ago, we started gathering back here in the cannery for the first time in over a year in kind of large gatherings. And so we got back in this place and, and we said, hey, let's not just step back into to what we were doing, man. Let's, we, we think God has been doing something this past year. And isn't it true that it's, it is in our human tendency? Um, whenever something is hard or whenever we go, so, go through something difficult, our human tendency is just to wanna to run as fast as we can and far away and just to get away from that thing as quick as we can, right? And, and, and so for us this past year, it's like, man, let's just leave it behind us. Let's get on with life. And, and, and the reality is that, man, throughout this year, God has been doing so many things. And as a church family, we go, God, we don't wanna rush past the lessons that you've been trying to teach us. And so as a church family, we've been sitting for the past month and just going, God, what have you been trying to say to us this past year? As everything about our life has been upended, God, what are you trying to say? And so um, we, we've used this metaphor of the wilderness to talk about this past year, how so often what God will do is God will take his people into the physical wilderness or, or the metaphorical wilderness, which is kind of a state of mind. And, and, and what it represents is it's the, the unpredictable places the places where you and I are not in control and we don't know what's coming next, so often what God will do all throughout scripture from the beginning, what God is still doing today is that he will take his people into the places of wilderness to form us and to shape us and to teach us because there is something about the wilderness that is required. I don't know why, but God just understands that we gotta get out of our everyday routine to get out into the the unpredictable places that God can shape us. And so we've talked about these different ideas. Several weeks ago, we talked about uh, Deuteronomy chapter eight, how in the wilderness, God invites us to remember how important it is for us to remember the things that God is doing. And then two weeks ago, we looked at this idea in Matthew chapter 11, where where we are called to to rest in the one, to rest in Jesus, the the one who's leading us in the wilderness, that though we don't know where we're going, we don't know what's happening, we trust the one who is in charge, who is leading us. And then last week, we talked about um, part of the reason that the wilderness is so difficult. It's not just because God's got us out of our element, he's trying to form us, it's because there is a very real enemy who is working against us, to oppose us, and to disrupt us, and to separate us from the Lord. And so we talked about this idea of, of being God's people, that in the wilderness we resist him. And today I'm super excited as we kind of wrap up this little mini-series on the wilderness. Um, what I want to talk about this morning is, is how God uses and he works through the wilderness to make us look more like Jesus. And you don't have to answer this out loud, but I want you to, to really wrestle with that question, like, do you actually want to look more like Jesus in your life? Like, when you read about Jesus in the scripture, the way that he treated people, um, the way that he, he loved people, the way that he engaged people, the way that, that he always knew how to, to, to walk into a room and to meet the needs and to see people, and, 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 the, and the way that his grace just flowed from his heart, I go, do you, do you actually want to live like him? Because I think if, if the answer is, is yes and the Lord has something for us this morning that he is more than willing and he's more than, we, well, he's more than excited to, to teach you his ways so that we can look just like Jesus. And so uh, I'll start like this. You know, none of us would ever choose the wilderness. Like if, if we got to write the script for our life, if we got to sit down and write how every year and every month and how life would turn out, none of us would ever write into our lives difficult things. Amen? Like, we would always write the comfortable things and the happy things. Like, you would spend your whole life at Disney World, right? Like, that if we could write our own story, it would be marked with joy and happiness. There would be nothing that's hard, nothing that's difficult that comes our way. Right, let's take this a little bit deeper. Like, none of us would, would, would choose to have grown up without a dad. Like none of us go, yeah, you know, it's, it was best that I grew up in a, in a family where my mom had to work full time to raise me and my siblings. And I'm not saying that God didn't work through that. What I'm saying is that you, none of us would choose that. None of you would choose to, to, to lose a job or to get fired from a job. None of us would, lo- would choose to, to lose a friend early in life. Right, None of us would, would choose the wilderness. In the wilderness, it looks different for us all, but this thing that we have in common is that none of us would ever choose the hard path. But I want you to hear this. God so often uses the hard paths of life to make our hearts soft to him. That God often uses the hard paths in our life to soften our hearts to him and to people, to make us like him. Have you ever noticed how it's, it's not the, the easy and the comfortable that shape us most, that if you look back on your life, you go, man, the things that have shaped me most deeply, the impacted most deeply, were some of the hardest things. You know, last summer, my wife and I, um, were foster parents, and my wife is just amazing. About a year and a half ago, she just kind of felt this, like several people in our church family are fostering, and she's like, hey, I think we need to do this. We're in a place in, in life and in parenting where I think we can start fostering kids. You don't know much about fostering. It's essentially kids that live in our state that for whatever reason, a host of reason, their parents aren't able to take care of them because they're in the hospital or because they're in jail or because they're going through some things. And so kids will be um, taken from their families and they'll be put with foster families until uh, their, their parents can get back on the feet. And the whole goal of foster parenting is reunification if, if that's in the best interest of, of the kids. And so my wife is like, hey, there's so many kids. In fact, there are ten Ten thousand kids uh, in in Tennessee alone that that need to be fostered and she's like I think we can we can do this and you know so we've been married you know 12 years at this point we have three kids and and our kids aren't babies someone had told us hey you don't even need to think about doing foster care until your youngest is at least two and and so we kind of heeded that advice and so our youngest turned two and we started going man maybe we need to foster and so um last summer it was um it was this week um last summer we get a call on a Wednesday morning 530 and it's our caseworker one of our caseworkers and she said hey there are two little kids one and two they're brothers and sister and and they are in need of a, a foster home are you guys interested and, and so I said hey give us a few minutes let us talk let us pray and we'll call you right back and so you know hung up the phone and we spent a few minutes just talking and praying going hey is this something we're supposed to step into and we really felt like hey we're, we're supposed to take a step into this so we said yes, and, and, and upon saying yes, we realized, okay, uh, we gotta go pick up the kids, and so my wife drives down to the hospital where the kids are, and, and, and she brings home the little boy, and, and so you know, he gets to our house at like 6 a.m., and so my kids wake up, and then there's a new sibling in the house, and they're so excited, they're, my kids are amazing. And, and we learned a little bit more about the, the other kid, that, that this little girl was in the hospital, and we knew that she was gonna be in the hospital. We didn't know the severity of it, and so we thought, oh, we gotta pick her up from the hospital and she'll come home. And the reality is that she was gonna be in the hospital for a while. And, and we learned that it was going to be on us to be with her around the clock at the hospital while she got better. And so early on in the week, you know, um, my wife is sitting up at the hospital, just like you would for your kids, just like your parents would do for you if you were at the hospital. They'd be with you. And so, my wife was with the little girl, and I was at home with our three kids and this foster boy. And and you know, guys, the the, the cards are stacked against me. The best parent in our family is at the hospital with one kid, and I'm a dad with four kids by myself. And and you know, we're making it happen. And and so later that week it was on Friday, we switched. I go up to the hospital, and my wife come home comes home to to take care of the four kids. And and I'll just let you in on the, the darkness in my heart. I'm up at the hospital. Friday's my day off. And I'm sitting up there, and I'm just thinking, like, God, we didn't, this is not what we signed up for. Um, you know, when, when we said yes to, to becoming foster parents, what, what we had imagined was, like, inviting them into our life, into our rhythms, so, you know, like sitting at the table and eating pizza and, you know, playing in the yard and, and teaching them to ride bikes and reading the Bible to them at night and praying with them and singing with them and bringing them to church and, and all these things. And it's like, that was our plan. And, and yet here I was on my day off, sitting up at this hospital, not knowing how long this little girl was going to be there. And I was just complaining, just, just griping to the Lord. And I'm just sitting here going, God, I didn't sign up for this. This is not what, this is not what I wanted. And I just felt the Spirit of God say in my heart, and this little girl didn't sign up for this. Like, this is not what she wanted. And I was so convicted. And, you know, we, the little girl gets better, she comes home. We, we had these kids for, for three months, and I'm telling you, it's probably the hardest three months of my life. <laughs> but I don't know if God has ever softened my heart as much as he did in that season. And the reality is that God so often uses the hard paths of our life to soften our hearts because when our hearts are soft, he can mold us. It's in those moments that he can make us like Jesus. And this morning, I want us to to hone in on just two things that we learn from Jesus. We're gonna look really intently at, at him this morning for the purpose of going, man, how do we become like you? How do we not let this wilderness be wasted? How do we look like you? And so there's two things that we're gonna hone in on this morning. The first that we learned from Jesus is that he had learned to rely on the Father. He relied on the Father. And because he relied on the Father, he was ready for what the Father had for him. So Jesus, if you are with us last week, he was in the wilderness, 40 days um, fasting, praying, no food, no water, think about that. He's being tempted, the enemy's in his ear the whole time for 40 days. Um, and our text picks up right after this moment. It says this in Luke chapter four, starting in verse 14. If you have a Bible you want to turn with us, get your phone out. Luke chapter four, verse 14. This is what it says. It said, "Jesus returned to Galilee, not in weakness. Not limping, not complaining." Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about Jesus spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And I love this text, because what you see in is that Jesus comes out of the wilderness with such clarity. See, up until this point in his life, Jesus had spent 30 years in obscurity. No one really knew about him. Like his family knew him and his friends knew him, but, but he was not the, the, the global phenom- phenomenon that, that we know him as, that, that for the first 30 years of his life, he was hidden, and yet he comes out of the wilderness, and then things start to change. It's like the, the catalyst. Something happens, crossing over from the wilderness. He's ready to step into what God has for him. And I love that he he shows up and and he says, he turns to this passage in Isaiah and and, and he reads it and he says, man, I've I've come to proclaim good news to the poor and to set those free who are in bondage. And, And I love this. And the reason I love this is because this is... What Jesus not only did, but what Jesus still does. You see, we don't know a whole lot about the the first 30 years of his life. We don't know what he's going to do. And we're going to be talking about that in just a minute. But what we do know is is after this moment in the wilderness, that that Jesus just starts setting people free in all kinds of ways. I mean, you, you read the very next story in Luke chapter four and, and Jesus is driving out the demonic in people and you keep reading and he's feeding the hungry and, and, he's, and he's speaking identity to people and he's bringing life and forgiveness and grace where, wherever he goes. And I love it because what you see Jesus proclaiming in Luke chapter four, the reason that he's come, we've experienced in our lives. I don't know all of you. Man, but but for those of you who follow followers through Jesus, man, this is, this is why we gravitated towards Jesus. This is why we gave our, our lives to following him. Because he did what he said he was going to do in Luke 4, that he's set us free. He's forgiving us of our, our sins. He's, he's for, forgiven that debt. When, when, when you and I were locked in spiritual darkness, unable to see God. When our hearts didn't beat for God, when we were purely selfish people, only thinking about the moment, only thinking about ourselves, Christ came and he found us. He pulled us out of that dungeon. And he helped us see. He's he's opened our eyes. He's, He's healed us. Some of you, man, you've been supernaturally, physically, miraculously healed by God. I go, man, it is true what Jesus says. I love that the scriptures say that Jesus came out of the wilderness and the power of the spirit. Man, he was focused. He was ready. And you know what he was ready to do? He was ready to bless the world around him. He was ready to step into what God had for him. And so many of us, this is is where we find ourselves today. Man, we we are ready to work for the Lord. Like you come here and, and this morning and the reason you showed up to church is not because you're interested in just listening to a, few, to a few words. man. You want to be touched by the living God. You want to be consumed so that your community and your family and your friends and your neighbors come to know the love of Jesus like you do. You come here this morning and, and, and you want to be used by God. We are ready to bless the world around us. But I want to point out something that I think, with the best of intentions, so often we, we bypass. It's, it's the important, the essential step that, that Jesus took that he knew was important before he stepped into what, the fullness of what God created him for. And this is what Jesus learned. He learned to rely on the Lord. You see, before Jesus stepped into the full purposes that God had for him, he learned in the quiet places to rely on the Lord. He trusted in the Lord. And, and we know this in, in two ways, but because of the, the way that he, he used scripture the role that scripture played in his life and the the role that the Holy Spirit played in his life. We know that Jesus relied upon God because of the way he looked at the scripture and the way that he looked at the spirit. And I wanna talk about this for a minute because I think in our zeal so often, man, we come here and we just wanna be cut loose in the kingdom, we just wanna go. We wanna make change, we we wanna do something for God, but God knows that there is something that happens in the quiet places that must be formed. That must be done in us. Um, yesterday, my wife and I, my father-in-law, we, we ran in this little 5K, uh, this little race, and it, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, my, my kids were, they they did like a little one-mile run afterwards, and, and before the, the race, they were asking us, they're like, you know like who's gonna win this race? Like and I'm like, I know that I'm not gonna win this race. Like there's a hundred percent chance I'm not winning this race today. And 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 so, you know, we get in this race and and, and we get done and we're listening to all the people that win. And and the guy who who ran the race is in my age division and he ran it in like 15 minutes or something. And it's like his three mile time is like most of our like one mile time or two mile times. And and and, and I remember like looking at this guy and, and I told my wife I don't think I could train every day for a year and still hit his mark. Like, there's no way. And, and, and what I realized is that, man, this guy, that, that he's been training for years and years, and that there were things that he has been doing, he didn't just show up that day and run a 15-minute three-mile. Three and, 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 and the Lord was like just showing me, man, that, that this is the way that things so often work in the spiritual realm. That it's, that it's in the places that you're not seen, the hidden places. Before, before God calls you into the fullness of his purposes, he, he forms you in particular. The way that we are formed, the way that we learn to rely on the Lord is with the scriptures and with the spirit. And I want to talk about this just this real quick. You know, um, I, I love that what you see in Luke chapter two is that even as a kid, Jesus was hungry for the scriptures. When he was 12 years old, he's at the temple. And the picture is that, that he's sitting in this Bible study among the leaders and the teachers and the experts in the law, and he's just soaking it up. He is so hungry to know God. And it's not that he's just um, listening. It's not that he's just learning. What you see is that Jesus is actually speaking he's teaching them, and it says that they are amazed at his knowledge, at his wisdom, at the things that he knows. And, and I was just reminded that, man, for, for, those of, for those of you who are watching today, who are tuning in with us that, that are kids, man, for those of you who are between five and 15, do not despise those early days, the, the developmental phases of your life. Like the, the, Direct your heart's gaze towards the Lord in the scriptures. That the younger you, you learn that, that this thing satisfies you, That it speaks to you, that it is useful. The the younger you learn that, the better it will serve you in life. And Jesus knew this. He knew that the scriptures were so abundantly useful. It's why he taught them. Luke chapter 24, the very end, Jesus is teaching them about the scriptures. The scriptures were, were on his mouth. They were in his mind when he was being tempted in the, the desert in Luke 4. It's scripture that comes out of his mouth. When he was on the cross dying, it's scripture that's in his mouth. Guys, you, you, you don't quote scripture. It doesn't just flow out of you unless it has this prized place in your life. The scriptures are useful. But they're not just useful, man. They're, they're beautiful. Our executive pastor here at Ethos, Sam Parnell, if you don't know him, I hope you get to know him one day. Um, Sam and I have um, been friends for a long time. My freshman year, um, he was the assistant head resident in the dorm that I grew up in. And I remember he said something to me as a 19-year-old that has just drastically shaped my relationship with the scriptures. I remember walking um, back to the dorm one morning and and Sam stops me in front of the dorm and we're just kinda chit-chatting and and he's just, inquisitive. He's just asking about my, my life and how school's going and how study's going. And I'm just kind of telling him, um, you know, I'm studying to, to go into ministry and I'm excited. And, and he says, let, let, me, let me tell you something. Let me share something with you. He says, hey, don't, don't let the only time that you're in the, the scriptures be when you're preparing for a teaching. <laughs> and he stepped all over my toes because up until that point, that was literally the only time I was ever in the scriptures. Like it wasn't a part of my life, but there was something that Sam knew that I didn't. You see, Sam knew that, that the scriptures, that, that God does something when, when you just open this and you read it. Um, that, it's, that it's not just useful, it's alive. That, that the more you learn to, to delight in it, the more that, that you understand that, that this isn't just a book about God, that God actually meets you and opens your eyes and draws you to him and softens your heart and, 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 and calls you deeper into life with him through the scriptures, the more that you see the power of the scripture, man, the, the more you'll rely on God. Just like Jesus. But it wasn't just with the scriptures, man. It was, it was with the Spirit that Jesus had this amazing relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, when he was baptized, the Spirit comes, and it says immediately the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. And and that's so crazy to me. You think about the the, the way that that we would write that script, and that's not the way that it would go. But Jesus follows the Spirit. He, He lets the Spirit have the reins of his life. You know, when you follow someone, what you're saying is that I trust you. I trust you to, to take me where I want to go. When I was a freshman in college, you know, it's like one of the greatest years of your life, or at least it was for mine. Like, so much fun, you know. You move away from, from mom and dad, and, and you get to kind of make your friends and establish, you know, who you're going to be. And so I grew up in small town Kentucky and, and moved to Nashville. So it's just this great jump, anyways. And, and so I'm, I'm living in, in Nashville. One of my favorite things to do as I was meeting friends is that, is that we would travel um to our different friends parents homes like where our friends grew up and i love doing that cuz i love getting to to see like what their life was like in lower alabama and what life was like for them in atlanta and what life was like for them in west tennessee and and, and we would travel all over to to where my friends were from and 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 this was long before like the, the days of ways, like our life is so much better because of ways, like praise the Lord for GPS and the way that it works in our life. But, but man, when I was in college, you, you didn't just type in your GPS. It wasn't like, Hey, I'll just meet you there. It, it was like, Hey, we're leaving at two o'clock. And if you want to get there, follow me. And, and so your only job was you know, my friend who grew up in Atlanta and he's really comfortable driving 85, weaving in and out of traffic. And I'm from small town, Kentucky, where like you're weaving in and out of cows, so like you're not weaving in and out of like traffic. And, and so your goal is just to stay on his tail so that so that you don't get lost. And, and, and we all understand these moments of, of following, of following someone else of trusting them to get us where we want to go. And I love what Jesus, you, you see in Jesus, it says that he, he let the Spirit lead him into the wilderness and he lets the Spirit fill him up and lead him out of the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit of God. He let the Spirit guide him. And, and, and for us, I go, man, some of you, you, you know what that's like for the Spirit to guide you. You've been following Jesus for a long time. You've, you've made it a priority to when the Spirit speaks, you yield. And others of us, man, we're, we're learning to do that. We're learning that when we trust the Spirit, that, that the Spirit of God can be trusted. And so Jesus' life, man, was shaped by the Scriptures, and he was, he was shaped by the Spirit. He relied on the Father, and because of this... Because he made a pattern of just knowing the scriptures, delighting in the scriptures, and yielding his life to the spirit because he had learned to rely on the Lord, he was ready for what the Lord had for him. As I know that we all have this incredibly strong desire to live lives of purpose. To live lives that matter. We want to make a difference. We want our lives to count. And my encouragement to us is do not underestimate what God is doing in you and through you. Man, as you learn to rely on the Lord in the quiet places and scripture and the spirit, don't underestimate what God is forming in you and doing you as, as, as you read this and you obey it. You know, I love the way that Jesus ends Matthew chapter 7. He says that every person who hears this and puts it into practice is like a wise man who built a house on the rock that the storms came and the house stood. Don't underestimate the the strength what God is doing in your heart through the mundane, just day in and day out, in some moments you read the scriptures and it just resonates and it just rocks you and you're ready to share it and obey it. And there are other days that it just feels like a discipline. And I tell you, do not underestimate what God is doing in your heart, what God is preparing in you for the purposes that he has for you. Don't underestimate what God's doing in your life, in the scriptures and in the spirit. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And this is what it says. It says, we all who contemplate, who think about the Lord and his glory, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Guys, the more we think about Jesus, the more we look at, at his life, at, at the model, at the example that he set, the more we become like him. The more we're becoming transformed to, to look just like him, to love just like him. And I, and I know that, that our tendency is, is, is we want to think about the finished product. We want to think about the finish line. And I'm, and I'm here to tell you that, that God, he most certainly, like, he is... He is he is so concerned about the finished product of our lives <laughs> that that way he's going to spend like his life and, and he wants his best for you. He wants the fullness of Jesus to be formed in you. Like He, he sees the, the man that you will become. He sees every part of us. He sees us. He, he wants us to, 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 to be these completed, these beautiful, perfect, holy, righteous people. So don't hear me saying that, 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 that God isn't excited about the finished product, but I want you to understand that God is just as excited about the process along the way. That God loves the, the day in, day out forming you. And God does have amazing plans for you. When he, when he knits you together in your mother's womb, there were things that God has for you to do. Work that he has for you, Ephesians 2, verse 10. He has things that he's prepared for in advance for you to do. But I want you to understand, God doesn't just want you for your usefulness, what you can do for him. He loves the process of, of making you like him. You're his kid. He delights in you. He created you so that he could love you so that he could give the the best of his heart to you. He created you, not because he needed anything. You're not his maid, you're not his servant. He created you so that he could give his affection to you. And so that you from that place could receive the heart of Jesus, the love of Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and that you could then become on his team to help other people around him, or the people around you who don't yet know him, come to know him because God knows that the best billboard, the best way to prove his love is through a transformed life. Someone who's been through the process, who's tried everything this life has to offer, who's looked for satisfaction, who's looked for joy, who's looked for hope, and and they realize that that comes only in Jesus. Jesus wants nothing more and to make you look more like him. You know, we have three little kids at home. And, you know, the reality is, Court and I, we, we talk about the day that, that they go off to college, not because we, like, are ready for that day. It's like, raising kids is hard, but the reality is it's, it's, it's brought so much more joy in our lives than hardness. But, but we talk about that day because, man, we know that that, we have today and we have the next several years to to enjoy them and to form them and to love them, to pour into them, to teach them. And, And this is the posture that God has for you, that he wants to teach you about his heart. He wants to teach you about the way that he's made you. He wants to fill your life with joy and with hope and with purpose. And I'm telling you today, That God knows that that even the the wilderness moments, just like Jesus, that God uses those hard moments of life because he knows that the hard moments are the moments that soften our hearts the most. And it's in those moments where God gets to do his best work. Um, You know, how many of you, if, if you're being really honest, as you look back on this past year... You, you actually uh, decreased spiritually. How many of you, if you're being really honest, you look back on this year and you go, man, I actually really didn't seek the Lord with my whole heart. Uh, you, you realize that you kind of hid from God this past year and, and not just God, you kind of hid from people. And, and maybe you, you still hung out with people, but, but you didn't really let them in on what was going on in your heart, in your life, in your marriage. You hid from people because it's just easier to hide. You, you you hid the places that are hurting in your heart. You just kind of hid. How many of you, um, last year, you, you were asleep to God? Um, how many of you, um, it, it wasn't that you were asleep to God, I man, you were actually kind of running from God? You sought pleasure, you sought escape, you sought comfort. And how many of us come here this morning and. And we just feel this overwhelming shame. Like, man, I've, I've really wasted the wilderness. Like, I've really wasted this opportunity. And my encouragement is, is if, if you come here this morning, God's grace is on you. And what you, what you need to hear in this moment isn't, hey, get your act together. You messed up. You're a failure. What you need to know this morning is that God's grace is on you because you're a sinner just like me. And he meets us in our sin and in our brokenness and in our failure. And it's from that place that he heals us and he forgives us and he extends his hand. And he says, do you want to try something else? And his grace be upon you. If you feel shame this morning because you wasted this past year, his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness be upon you. If you spent this last year running from God, praise be to the Lord that you're here this morning back in his presence and let his grace soak into the deepest places of his heart. It's why he died for you. You and I are not Jesus. We don't withstand the temptation in the wilderness. We don't have the perfect perspective. We don't allow God to to help us be reliant on him in the places. We do everything but that. And that is why he died. To forgive us. To cleanse us. To impart his perfection onto us. And the sooner that we get that, the sooner we understand that, that our shame is met with his grace, it changes us. And my encouragement to you is is if that's the way that you came into this morning, you're still alive, your heart's still beating, repent. Learn from it. I really believe that that is a huge part of the wilderness, that walking out of the wilderness successfully means that you learn the lesson God is trying to teach you. That you and I will be people that rely on the Lord You and I become people that are ready for the things the Lord has for us. And so I don't know where you are in your journey this morning. Um, I do want to encourage you to, to take a step with the scriptures and take a step with the Holy Spirit. And some of you, man, you're, you're in the scriptures every day. It's, it, is, it has become this, this thing that just satisfies you. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful that some of you are there. Others of you, man, you're, you're in the process. You, you maybe read the Bible once a month or, or you, you read it and then you just don't understand it. And I'm telling you, the Bible is hard to understand and it's complicated. I've been reading this thing basically since I was 20 years old. And there's still so many questions I have. So you're never going to become a master of it. But what I want to tell you is that God will meet you in it. Open your life. Start creating space every day just to, to be in the Word. Dave gave us a, a handout last week of 43 different passages of Scripture. If you're looking for a place to start, start there. You can find that on our website, the bottom of our website, the, on our blog, that, that there are 43 passages of Scripture. Just go through and read those. Start there. Start Pick, pick a gospel. Pick the gospel of Luke and just read through it. Take a step with the scripture take a step with the spirit. Some of you follow the the Holy Spirit really well. You're so in tune to the spirit. You've you've created an ear for listening and responding to the spirit. And others of us, man, we're learning. It's like uh, we were on training wheels. Or some of you, man, you've never even taken a step with the spirit. And I want to just give us something to try this week as, as a way to start letting us be led by the Holy Spirit. And so this is what I invite you to do. At some point every day this week, just ask God. Ask him in prayer, God, will you put one person on my heart that needs to be encouraged today? And then ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to share? And I just encourage you just to try it. Like, I I know when when we are invited to do things like this, all kinds of things come up. Just put those feelings aside and just try it. (laughs) Ask God. Will you put someone in my life that needs to be encouraged today? And then pay attention to who God puts in your path, who God, puts God, who God puts in your mind. Ask God, what do you want me to share with him? And share it with him. Just try it. Take a step with the Holy Spirit. Some of you, maybe you've been following the Spirit for a while and you go, I want more. I want to learn to be more reliant on the Holy Spirit. I want to be developed in this place as I, as, as, so that I'm ready to step into the fullness of what God has for me. And, and our staff several years ago, we went through this workbook called Experiencing God. And it's by Henry and Richard Blackaby. And it's just this amazing, it's like a 13 or 14 week study. And it's meant to be done in community. And I'm telling you, if, if you want to become more aware of what God is doing in you and around you, take a step in this with your community. Just someone from your friend group go, you know what? I'm going to lead this. I'm going to do it. Be a leader. Step up. Don't be a follower. You've been a follower your whole life. Lead. Take a step if you're serious about wanting to to create a place in your heart for for people to take a step with the Spirit. If you want to be more hungry to, to, to learn to follow the Holy Spirit like Jesus, take a step. Take a step. God loves to use you. He will use you, but he wants to form you. Here in just a minute, we're going to take communion, and, and I love that, this, that we get to do this every week, that we take a few minutes, and, and we just process, we just share what God is doing. So we're going to put a, a question up on the screen that's going to go up for, for us to, to process together, and, and there are going to be two questions, and, and you can answer one of the questions Or if you have time, both of them. But I encourage you to to circle your chairs up with the people that you came with. If you're um, in in a living room, man, to spend some time talking through this. And and on the back end of communion, we're gonna have a time for you to come back in and worship with us. And so if if communion is, is going really well, man, you can keep talking about it. But this is a question that I want you to wrestle with, man. What are the things you are currently relying on the Lord for? You know, so many of you, you really are. You're relying on the Lord for so, some things, and I want you to name those and be able to say, you know what, God, you have done a work. The second question is, what are the things that you want to rely on the Lord for? Maybe you go, man, I'm not relying on the Lord for my future or with my finances or in this relationship, or I'm not relying on the Lord for my, for my daily bread, whatever it is. Where do you want to rely on the Lord? And so we're going to take the next five or six minutes, and I'm going to encourage you right now, Tom's going to play for us. Circle up your chairs. We're going to throw the question up on the screen. And then I'll call us back in in a few minutes into a time of worship. Sound good? Awesome.